podcast hosting provided by Transistor. If you want to host your own show, head over to Transistor.fm and start a 14-day free trial. Hello and welcome to Regen, the e-racing podcast. Joining me this week, Chris Soulsby, as always. How are you doing, Chris? I'm good, Dino. How are you doing? Yeah, very well. Very well. I'm, I've been looking forward to this one for a while because uh, it's, been, uh, it's been a bit of a mission. We've got three time zones this morning. We've also got John from the Outlap F1 podcast. Good morning. How's it going, guys? Good morning. Uh, good afternoon. Good evening, Chris. Good evening. <laughs> <laughs> Look at this, we're global. We are indeed global. So uh, 8 o'clock in the morning for me. How about you, Chris? Uh, 9 o'clock at night. John? Uh, 3 p.m. on Sunday. That's brilliant. Thank you guys for uh, making this work. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm thrilled to be here. Yeah, it's great to be back. Yeah, it has been a bit of a hiatus, but uh, I've, <laughs> yeah, I've got a, a very interesting topic lined up today. So we're going to go through media of the week first, as always, and uh, we're going to go with you, Chris, uh, to start us off. Okay, so my media of the week is Tinder. Um, (laughs) I'm I'm joking, I'm joking, it's not. (laughs) Um, So, no. Um, (laughs) My media of the week is a program called Nightfall, and Nightfall is on Netflix, I believe. I watched it on Sky. And it is about the Knights Templar during the Crusades and after the Crusades and how they all die. Spoiler alert. And it's quite good. I would watch it if I were you. would recommend. Good. Good to (laughs) know. That's a really, yeah. There you go. (laughs) And uh, John, do you have one for us? Yeah, so I'm going to have two, actually. One comical, one uh, serious. So my my serious one is a podcast, which you guys may have heard as well, F1 Everything. Um, Gotten to just slowly get to know this guy uh, a little bit more and more over social media. And uh, he comes out with an episode probably every month or so and really goes back and tells uh, prominent stories throughout the history of Formula One, uh, whether it be Crashgate or specific things like from Singapore or, or specific uh, Michael Schumacher situations and incidents and um, just really hones in on, on the history. And for someone who has only uh, watched Formula One since 2007, um, obviously I've tried to do my homework from the past, but the way that he tells these stories, you can tell he puts so much time and passion into it and the script is perfectly written so i highly suggest you check that out uh if you're a motorsports fan and then i've got a comical one as well uh chris you might be familiar with this uh where you're at over there um but the podcast my dad wrote a porno uh i don't know if you guys (laughs) have heard this uh but they just came out with season five uh and very very brief thing if you um essentially this a guy probably around our age finds out that his older father uh, at some point, wrote some erotic novels, and uh, they're hilariously written, uh, very poor grammar, and uh, clearly not a good understanding of human anatomy, which then uh, the son and his friends actually read these out loud on the podcast, and 
Uh, if you ever are in need of a hilarious moment or if you're having a bad day and need a laugh, this is the podcast for you. So I recommend that one as well. I have to listen to that because that sounds fantastic. You you especially will appreciate it. Uh, I think they're all based somewhere around London, and uh, which as Americans, I always love your guys' accents. It's just... Uh, you guys, you seem so intelligent with your accents. I know that's the uh, stereotypical oh. American answer there, but uh, it is—it's hilarious, and um, you know, it, it probably not for kids, but and there are some graphical things, but it's—it's it's, uh, comical in nature. It is not uh, any any kind of other way. So, highly recommend it. Uh, I think it's number one or two on probably most podcast charts at the moment. So, check it out. Actually, they are touring New Zealand. For you New Zealand listeners, they're touring in January uh, 2020. So very timely. And I can say I have seen them live in Chicago at the famous Chicago Theater. Uh, and it was well worth every penny. And they're actually coming back here in, to, in March. And I've already bought my tickets. So, uh, oh, wow. Yeah, check it out. The live event is something else. You'll very interactive. You'll enjoy it. I have to listen to this. I feel like I've been in the dark for so long. This is ah. well. Now that we've got uh, Formula E on break, it's the perfect time to catch up on all the things that you've, uh, you know, been missing out on. This is it. This is. It'll make your commute to work so much more entertaining. (laughs) Okay, Uh, my media of the week, and. I'm not sure if you two are big gamers or uh, mobile gamers, but there was this game I was following. It's called Void Tyrant, and it's on iOS and Android. And it's basically a game of blackjack where you try and get 12 instead of 21. Uh, There's power-ups, there's enemies, there's traps. Uh, It's very, yeah, very, very cool. So a lot of the power-ups are, you know, double the number or... Um, plus one or plus two and you've got to get it as close to 12 as possible and um, if you beat the other player which is pretty easy at the start but uh, if you go over 12 then basically you lose automatically to the other player so yeah it's got a cool graphic style uh, very cartoony but at the same time really really cool so I've been hard playing that at the moment um and it's it's uh definitely taking up a bit of time but um yeah that one is well worth a play i like the sound of that it sounds yeah. quite fun i'll check that out yeah it's it's just so easy to get into uh free to play but you can you can buy a few different things in there um and there's different uh well it's sort of a little town that you can buy different shops and get different power ups as well so Ooh. yeah f- fully fully recommend it fully recommend it yeah, it sounds cool. Okay, let's get into the news. And uh, Extreme E, this one taking up a little bit of time uh, in my timelines on Twitter and bits and pieces. Greenland has been announced as the first race in Extreme E. So obviously Greenland, some of the ice regions, uh, the way I sort of remember it is from uh, the Mighty Ducks, as in uh, Greenland being ice and Iceland being green. Um, if you, yeah, I should have done that as the media of the week because the Icelandic <laughs> team is, is very, very good in that, uh, in that movie. Um, so a uh, little bit from the press release, uh, we cannot solve these global climate problems by ourselves. I'm therefore happy that f- extreme E 
are here today to focus on the climate and fight the huge challenges that we face in the coming years. So, Greenland, are we excited about this or uh, are we still looking for a few different different tracks and places for Extreme E? I mean, I think it's a good starting point. It's, um, you know, it's a cool, cool region. Yeah, uh, it's a cool region. And you've got to start somewhere. It's a brand new series. It's only going to be a handful of races. And I don't, does it start in 2021? I think so. Uh, yes, it does. Yes, it does. Yeah. And and Greenland, they have committed or uh, a very ambitious energy sector plan to, by 2030, be 100% renewable energy. Wow. That's fantastic. So that. it's all, all aligning. So good on them. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. I like that because it's a total overlap, really, with extreme. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I don't think there could be a, a more deserving uh, place for the first round after hearing that so and john have you heard much or or looked into extreme e and and what it is yeah so i i heard about it a while back probably maybe through your podcast potentially it was probably formula e related when i first heard about it and i've kind of looked into it uh as someone who grew up in the southern parts of the united states uh kind of the off-roading outdoorsy uh atmosphere it sounds pretty cool uh the the images that I've seen of like the prototype prototype vehicles that they're going to be using look pretty badass, I have to say. Um, and you know, as much as I'm a petrol head, I truly do love electric vehicles and uh, excited about the future that they offer. So I think this was really going to show the world what electric vehicles are capable of. Um, you know, we've seen them on a racetrack, we've seen them out on the streets. Now we probably have never seen them in very rugged environment taking you know, potential jumps and uh, taking a lot of pounding and punishment. So I think this is a perfect way to further push the uh, electric market uh, to the world. And obviously, in the grand scheme of things, as far as climate change and things of that nature, uh, it's cool that, you know, it's just something else to help promote that uh, for our planet. And while doing it in a fun and entertainment way, I'm just hoping that here in the United States, we'll be able to get some, some coverage of it. Uh, I know that's sometimes a little bit difficult, but at least maybe some YouTube or something like that so that we can check it out in 2021. Yeah, that would be brilliant if it was YouTube. We uh, we also suffer uh, here in New Zealand a lot of the time as uh, region, region blocks, but uh, yeah, hopefully that one isn't the case. Yeah, I hope so. It'd be nice if it was uh, accessible to all. Yeah, hopefully we'll uh, see it on YouTube or Netflix or something. I think it's... Um... It's got that director doing the broadcast, hasn't it? Or the filming. Um, yeah, that director. Him. <laughs> Is it Fisher Stevens? Oh. It might not be. I might be talking like total crap. <laughs> Are you referring to the guy that did the like Formula E Greenland ice ladder where it was at the time where they tried to place a car onto a, a glacier? Is Is that the director that's involved in this? I've got no idea. <laughs> I, I saw some clips of that. I think it was like an Amazon series that was focused on Formula E. And uh, I saw some clips of that in one of the press releases for Extreme E. So I'm wondering if they're tied together, uh, which would be pretty cool. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. I'll have to look into that. Maybe put it in the show notes or something. That sounds good. That's what we'll do. Yep. That seems to be the easiest option. 
and also a couple of driver announcements. Uh, the big one, obviously, being Sebastian Ogier and uh, Jamie Chadwick as well. What do you think of that? I think that's great. I mean, you know, Jamie Chadwick's had the season of our life so far. She's won the W Series. She's a Nara Williams uh, development driver, and she's signed with Aston Martin Racing, I believe, to do some factory driving with them. And, you know, next on the list is, you know, is Extreme Mean. I think that's that's great. And Seb Ogier is a, a very talented off-road racer, and I think he's the kind of, well, potential figurehead that Extreme E needs. For a, Is he three, four-time uh, World Rally champion now? He's got so many championships, it's probably weighing him down by now. <laughs> exactly. The guy is so qualified when it comes to driving off-road, and can't think of a better person or driver to get involved in all honesty so yeah i think that's what they needed is to have some name recognition with drivers just to uh help get the series off and running uh and both of those you know i didn't know a whole lot about jamie chadwick until the w series honestly but uh what i was able to see on kind of repeat via youtube i was extremely impressed uh with the talent that she brings and uh Glad to see that you know things are progressing in her single seater uh, career, and uh, hopefully, good things is going on in the future. But this is exciting. I think it brings just a lot of a lot of recognition. It's certainly going to attract a lot of people because of the names that hopefully they're able to continue to add some more. Um, I don't remember what was the total amount of teams that have not maybe not officially announced, but have uh, I guess said that they plan on joining. Uh, the only one that I know of is Apt. Yeah, I think HWA might have committed as well. That would be good. But again, I don't know. <laughs> no, we'll look into that as well. We will do some digging. <laughs> yes, we will We will definitely do some digging. Well, and the good news is we got some time as well. I mean, things are just starting to get rolling with Extreme E, and uh, you know, we have, we have a few months before things probably start getting really, really serious. So um, I'm sure we'll have to do... Uh, some additional episodes on those. I know I'd love to be back on and talk about that when it gets rolling. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Now, let's move into a few driver announcements uh, and a bit of speculation. We're uh, we're going to start with Maximilian Gunther securing the BMW factory drive, uh, moving from Dragon, and I, for one, very excited. You can probably hear it in my voice. Very, very excited yeah. at this one. Uh, Gunther being one of the standout rookies of the year uh, for season five. Yeah, can't wait. Chris, what are your thoughts? I mean, what a guy. It's it's fantastic. Um, yeah, I can't... It's just nice, isn't it, to see Gunther hopefully in a competitive car because that Dragon car was disgusting. And, I mean, it had glimpses of pace, but he, he dragged that car above and beyond. Two, two five-place finishes in the season, two Super Bowl appearances, outclassed Lopez completely, put him in a shadow, actually, and he missed three, uh, two or three races. I think this could be the making of Maxi Gunther, and it's fantastic for BMW to have a German driver in that car as well. And oh, I can't wait to see what he can do in his second season. It's going to be thrilling it's great great news it is and um yeah it obviously fits well with with the image german driver german factory team mm -hmm. uh, and i'm sure i'm sure that the country will be behind him mm -hmm. it's gonna be oh it's gonna be good i can't wait to see him there it's gonna be really good 
Yeah, Chris, you uh, you stole my points right out from underneath me. <laughs> I, I agree. I mean, I, Dragon, I think, uh, are they the only, I think, all-American supposedly formerly E-team? So it's a little disappointing uh, what they've been able to bring to the table. But I, you know, I'm a huge proponent of BMW uh, in both racing and on the consumer side. And, uh, you know, I think this is a great opportunity for him to get into a car that's going to shine and, and show what he's really capable of. Hopefully we consistently see him at the top of the grid um, in, in 2020. Mm-hmm. It's going to be good to see him at the sharp end of the pack. Absolutely. In more races, and it'll be good. I just can't wait to see him wheel to wheel. And now, Chris, I'll let you talk about the driver announcement from Mercedes EQ Formula E, and this is a little bit interesting. Yes, so this week we had a team launch for Mercedes EQ Formula E team, if that's the proper name for it. And we have two drivers announced, and surprisingly, one is, drumroll please, Mr. Stoffel van Dorn, who drove for HWA last year. He got a podium in Rome, if I remember correctly. And his teammate will be a total rookie to the series. You know, there was speculation about this. Some said Gary Paffert, others said Eduardo Mortara, incorrectly. You know, perhaps even Esteban Gutierrez. But no, Nick DeVry will be in the second seat in that car. So, uh, news. It's good, isn't it? News is always good. How do you guys uh, feel like his his chances are coming in there? I mean, you've there's obviously that a transition period there into a Formula E car. Uh, the tracks are very different than what he's going to be familiar with, um, and obviously the cars. I know, you know, he's probably he's got a little seat time there, but you know, it, as far as energy consumption and things of that nature, it's a lot of very different factors um, than probably what he's used to in his his career. I think it'll probably be a tough start, to be honest. Um, we we saw, well, it might have been HWA, but we saw Stoffel and Gary uh, last season struggle a fair bit. And I think, yeah, Nick, Nick will be given time. I think it'll be a long-term project for those two drivers. Chris, you, you think so too? Yeah, I think so. I mean, Nick DeVries is a very talented guy. I think, realistically, Formula One might be out of reach unfortunately but i don't see why i couldn't go in in the future um we saw gunther go straight into formula e from formula 2 of course which is what devry will be doing uh this november and he's I, I, I think he'll be fine actually because he was the reserve driver for audi uh, sport app chafler for the past couple of seasons and he was a test driver for spark racing technologies i want to say um, so he does have a bit of experience in a race. Yeah, I, I think he'll be fine. And I think, I mean, regardless, it'll be a long-term project for him and Mercedes. And uh, I said, yeah, yeah, we'll see what he can do, but I'm, I think he'll be fine. It's it's always different. I mean, a Formula E car is a very different word. Formula 1 car, Formula 2 car. Um, the Like you said, it's um the energy consumption it's it's an entirely different ball game and the i mean the circuits are notoriously difficult but um he's got the talent to uh you know do well so i th- i think he'll be okay yeah he's also coming in as one of the youngest guys on the grid too i think he's only like 24 years old so um I hope this is, I haven't seen the details of the contract, but I hope it is a multi-year deal. I think Mercedes is smart to bring him in 
you know, we saw little glimpses of Stoffel last year, but it seemed like, I don't know, every time I turned on a, a race, it seemed like something was failing on that car. Uh, he just seemed to have bad luck after bad luck last year. So, you know, I'm hoping, obviously, with this being uh, an AMG-backed project, that they'll have uh, the funding and the resources uh, to make sure that reliability is not a, an issue and that we can truly see what he's capable of. And then, you know, with Nick, like you said, he's, he definitely has the talent there. Um, you know, things may have not worked out uh, right place, right time, as far as his Formula One career goes. Uh, we'll see kind of how that plays out. But the guy is very, very talented. He does have, a, I think, a, like you said, a little bit of seat time uh, in these type vehicles, not in race conditions. Um, but, you know, hopefully it is a multi-year deal, you know, and he can focus this year on finishing races uh, and learning and then, you know, come, come 2021. Because I'm sure Mercedes is going to have some kinks to work out themselves as well. Uh, but I'm, hopefully 2021 we were able to see kind of both of the, the team and the driver uh, both meeting at that sweet spot um, for that season. Yeah, I think we will. I think that'll be... You know, this will be the year for them to bet in, and uh, twenty twenty one will be the year that Mercedes will. I hate to say it, but uh, with a name like that, you know, mm-hmm. they'll be somewhere up the top. Yeah, I mean, they will have done relentless uh, work at Brixworth on this power power train unit, and of course, they had last season as well with HWA, which was kind of like a, a test team, really, like the uh, the advance party uh, for Mercedes. And the Mercedes team will be operated by the HWA squad, and they've now got a full season of experience. But I think what's interesting is, with the two new teams coming, uh, Mercedes and Porsche, is the entirely different way that both teams are going into the series. So with Mercedes, they've had that trial season with HWA. With the Porsche, this is an entirely new thing, but they've done... I mean, I know they've covered a lot of miles and testing, uh, it's going to be really interesting, I think. It's going to be a very interesting first season for Mercedes. Do you guys have any fears that perhaps Mercedes... I mean, I know that they're very, very well-funded and, and doing quite well financially, at least on the racing side of things. Going, things are going quite well. But do you fear that they're potentially stretching themselves too thin? You know, trying... You know, I know they've pulled out of some, some other stuff to put more emphasis on Formula E, but... Formula One and Formula E, you know, it's you've got a lot of money, a lot of development. Um, and I know they've got again the money to pay and to bring on as many people as they want, but uh, I I would think that that's got to be in someone's mind that hey, let's make sure we have all everything, all the checks and balances in place to make sure that uh, we aren't spreading ourselves too thin and, and end up hurting both series. I'll let you start on this one, Chris. Thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know. I think it's Mercedes, isn't it? I think they'd be fine. Um, because why, alongside Formula One, they were doing DTM, and now, now they've pulled out of DTM, like you've said, and now they're switching it to Formula E. And Formula E is a fairly affordable series. to. Run. I mean, I couldn't afford to run a team. <laughs> but it's... I say that, but um, Formula E is a very affordable series. It's designed to be um, to level performance and be cost cost efficient, cost effective. So the likes of your smaller teams, such as um, Venturi or Dragon, 
or Neo uh, are able to compete against the big established manufacturers like uh, Audi. Oh, BMW, BMW, yeah, yeah. 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 the German guys, fast. yeah, 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 the uh, the German guys. So, <laughs> no, nah, I think I think they'll be fine. I think they'll be fine. I hope so. Yeah, I'm a, definitely no no secret that I'm a Mercedes guy. So I, I I sure hope to see them at the top of the grid in both series. That would be pretty cool. Yeah, I think again, Chris's point's pretty valid. Uh, I think Porsche will struggle a lot more not having the not having the actual season. Uh, as a as a test bed, but um, just John, while we're on this, wanted to know what your thoughts of Mercedes picking up two ex McLaren drivers for their Formula E team. I like. I'll be honest. I don't really. I don't know what to think about that because obviously they there there is a history there between Mercedes and McLaren. Um, one that had certainly had some some successes. So. It seems like you know Stoffel has always sort of had that close knit uh, connection with with Mercedes somehow, some way. There's it, it's seems like they've gone out of their way to help take care of him, and I, I don't think it was you know at least in my mind I thought it was he would be a sure bet for one of those two seats. It, it, maybe one day we see a, a Lando or something like that in, in Formula E, and they just snatch him up too. Um, Oh, yes, please. <laughs> yeah, I would take that in a heartbeat. Um, <laughs> like I said, I think Mercedes knows talent, and they've had a, a plethora of talent in their pool. And I think that they, you know, as has uh, McLaren. So I, I think it's a smart move. You know, I I wonder, and I want to get your guys' opinion. Do you, does does this hurt McLaren? Like, or is do you think there's any ill will that you know Mercedes is? is just kind of picking people out as they go? Um, or do you think that's just, you know, they're they're the big boys, they can afford to pay anything they want, and they could probably get any driver they want? Uh, I don't know. What do you guys think? I, I love the, the choice, uh, the selection, though. Well, I think, you know, Mercedes and McLaren had, had the... Uh had the engine partnership a while back and um, they were probably pretty close knit, but I'm, I'm not sure if Zach Brown and Toto have lunch together, but uh, yeah, I think, uh, I think it's probably okay. And, and you know, if, if McLaren maybe says, Oh, Stoffel Van Dorn, man, he's just absolutely crushed in formula E. We need him back. We need him back. Um, you know, Lando moves on, and and we could see him go the other way. So, uh, yeah, you never know. You never know. Well, and that's the thing with Stoffel, especially. Like, I don't think he really got a fair shake in in Formula One. You know, I think he was overshadowed, obviously, by Fernando. Uh, whether that be a good thing or bad thing, you know, Fernando brings a lot of attention. Not always positive, but brings a lot of attention. All eyes are naturally going to be on on the champion, and. Um, so I, I think he was overshadowed there, and then just the whole like turmoil relationship between McLaren and, and Honda. I think that he just kind of got lost in the shadows, and maybe a lot of that was just a victim of not ha- you know if he was. I would love to see what he would be capable of in the McLaren car that we're seeing this year in Formula One uh, to see how his talent competes with that of you know like a Lando, like we said. Um, I feel like he is capable of more than what we are able to see and that he was more of a victim of circumstances uh, through maybe no no control of his own. 
So I think this gives him, you know, he's going to have, like I said, it's going to take maybe a year or so, but I, he's going to have the equipment now, probably have the, maybe the best equipment on the grid. And um, I think this is, he, I think he's got to know this is his opportunity and he's got to make the absolute most of it. Um, if he struggles, then, you know, we, we've got a whole different story uh, in this in this car. But uh, I, I'm excited to see what he's capable. I think the kid is talented. Uh, I like him. Uh, as a person, and you know, I, I'm I want to see him do well, and I think he will, given the equipment that he's going to have underneath him. Excellent. All right, we're just going to move on because the time is ticking on. Uh, okay, Nico Muller didn't get the Audi drive. Daniel Apt secured it, uh, and there's been some speculation he might be joining the Kiwi Brendan Hartley uh, at Dragon. Uh, Chris, just quickly, is this a yes or a no from you? I mean, I love Nico Muller. Everybody knows that. I think he's a very talented guy. Um, I'd like to see him in Formula E. I'm just reserved about the team, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, well, I think... I'm not sure if I've actually talked about uh, my or our thoughts on Brendan Hartley at Dragon, but, yep, um, yes or no, do you think it'll happen? Um, no, no. Good. Well, uh, I'll edit this podcast quickly and uh, make sure it's out before. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, now the main topic. And uh, this one, one of the reasons why we've got John on from Outlap F1 Podcast. Uh, What drivers would make the grade in or back in, uh, for some drivers, uh, Formula One and if if we've got time, we can also talk about what drivers should move from Formula One uh, to Formula E. Hashtag Rogro. <laughs> okay, um, I'm just going to say some names, and we're going to go pretty much from what I consider the bottom of the grid uh, up into the top. But uh, I'm going to start with an interesting name, Oliver Turvey. Yes. Yes. Ooh. Yes. Why Why does he deserve to be in Formula One? Because Oliver Turvey is a flaming legend. The guy is so underrated. He's been a McLaren, McLaren affiliated for years. He won the BRDC, British Young Driver thing in this country, and tested a McLaren, and since then he's been on that roster. He did uh, test work last year. I believe he's done test work this year. And he knows that McLaren team very, very well. Unfortunately, he's probably a bit old now, but and it's well, it's down to finances as well, really. Turvey doesn't have much backing, but oh, he's such a talented guy, and I would love to see him in Formula One, but it won't happen, sadly. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I think age is is probably the the damning factor for him. I think he's thirty two mm-hmm. years old now. Uh, I know it's. I hate talking about people that are younger than me that are past the prime of racing. That makes me feel really old. Um, but <laughs> I, I think certainly talented, but uh, maybe could have been uh, certainly if the, the star is aligned uh, I'll say no because of age, but I get, I think age, uh, I want to take that factor out of there on a lot of these guys because it is an older grid. Um, so talent wise I'll say yeah I think he could have been. Okay. Uh his teammate Tom Dillman. No. Yeah, I'm going with a no on that one as well. <laughs> Sadly. Okay. Jose Jose Maria Lopez. No. 
He almost did, though. He almost did with USF1. Yeah, he did. But no. Yeah, I'm going to go with a no on that. 36 years old. I think he was last in... Was it GP2? Was that his last um, like traditional single-seater? Uh, and that was back in, what, 2006 or something like that? So, I don't know. I, I'm going to say no on that one as well. Uh, Felipe Neza. Should he be allowed back in? No. Um... Hmm. I'm gonna say yes. Just Ooh. A couple of years, what was Sauber? He's still young, twenty-seven. Ah, again, it's you know, it 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 wasn't the alpha back Sauber at the time. Uh, we're talking low budget stuff. I would say no in the current format, but yes, if you know, another team, which there has been rumors of another team potentially joining the grid in twenty twenty one. I don't know how viable that really is, but it would be nice to see. I think that that would be an opportunity for him. Definitely not probably yeah, the top yeah. tier, but I could see a, a low budget team looking for a guy that has experience. Um, I'll say yes. Yeah, I think in that case you probably, I mean, we'll, we'll get to him, uh, a sort of guy that we know in the news uh, wants back in, Pascal Verline. Would you rather take him instead of Neza? Um. Yeah, I think I would actually. If if I yep. if given the option, <laughs> I you know again we'll get to him in a second. But uh, yeah, you bring yep. up a good point on that. Similar age too, I think. Yeah, true. Uh, Felix Rosenquist. Now this is a personal favorite of mine, and uh, he just recently got a got a podium uh, in IndyCar. So yeah, I think if he wasn't snatched up by the Indy guys, then yeah, potentially could have. Chris, what do you think on this one? Um, uh, yeah, no, I don't know. I think the very talented guy, he's a European Formula 3 champion. Did a great job in Formula E for the two seasons with Mahindra. And he's he's doing all right in IndyCar, isn't he? But no, I, I don't think he'd get a Formula 1 drive, sadly. I think, yeah, no, I, no. That's all I can mm, say. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I I'm I'm glad to see him stateside. Uh, so maybe for selfish reasons, no. But I think yeah, I think you know, European obviously Formula Three, like you said. But that was you know a few years ago. It seemed like he kind of hit that ceiling uh, in the traditional single seater, and just for whatever reason, things the stars just didn't align uh, on that. So I will say no on that one. Okay, did we say it, Nelson PK Jr.? Oh, I'm going to go with a no on that one, please. You know my answer. I don't even have to say anything. <laughs> Mr. Crashgate of Singapore? Yeah, we are going to Singapore in a, in a you know week or time in Formula 1, so it is good timing. Mm. Yeah, yeah that would be funny if he was announced in uh, Singapore. Um, <laughs> no comment, no comment. <laughs> Maybe Nelson PK Sr., yes, I'll take back, but Jr., no. Oh, well, we should get Carlos Sainz Sr. Oh, cool. <laughs> uh, that would be interesting. Yeah. Uh, um, okay. Now, these these names, I, I mean, Gary Paffett, uh, yeah, I mean, his age is, is not on the right side, but uh, I think a couple of years ago, yeah, potentially should have. Mm-hmm. I think he was, he tested uh, for a team in 2005. Was it McLaren? 
It was. He was actually slated to potentially get that drive, and then mm-hmm. a, a guy lost out to someone that uh, you know probably worked out pretty well. Is it Petra Delarosa? Uh, some guy named Lewis Hamilton apparently actually got that seat. I don't know if you guys ever if, if, if I don't know if you, I'm not familiar with that name, but I don't know if, uh, if you guys have heard of that guy or not. But oh, might have once or twice. <laughs> yeah, I, I think he's. I don't know, European or something. I don't know. Anyways, I, yeah, 38 years old, that, that obviously hurts him. But yeah, I think I, I'll put him as a yes. I think he, he has a talent there. And uh, it, there probably was some other factors that led to Lewis getting into that vehicle instead of him. Obviously, it worked out well for a couple of different teams now. But uh, I think talent wise, yeah. Yeah, I think the guy's got talent. There's no question about that. So maybe once upon a time. In an right. alternative reality. <laughs> yeah. Um, Alex Lynn. Now I wanna I wanna just chime in with a yes here. I think very talented. Mm-hmm. Uh didn't really have a chance at Virgin to show what he had. Um and you know, just getting pole in his first race uh in New York, that basically says that he's got talent and um young, ambitious, and I think Jaggy was yeah. Jaggy has got a good one there. Mm-hmm. I think Alex Lynn's a fantastic racing driver. He was, he deserved the seat at Virgin, and they dropped him, and it didn't help him in Formula E. Unfortunately, he got back with Jaguar, but he tested for Williams. Uh, he was a t- uh, test driver for Williams in F1 in up until 2015, 2016, I believe. Unbelievably talented guy, and um, yeah, I think it's a shame we it's a shame we didn't see him in Formula One. Sadly, I was confident that he was going to get a drive in Formula One once upon a time, but yeah, it's a yes from me. I'll say yes as well. Uh, I think it was what twenty fourteen GP three champion. Obviously, had a stint GP two. He's proven himself, I think, in multiple series through that, and you know, WC WEC. Obviously, uh, things are moving in the right direction in Formula E. I think that. Um, and his age is still, you know, he's only 25 years old too. So he's got that going for him as well as, um, so I think we got to throw him in the yes category. Cool. Uh, one of my personal favorites, Maxi Gunter, um, bias aside, which is very hard. Um, yeah, I think young, talented, uh, we've already seen what he can do. I think we probably need to see another season just to, you know, Mm-hmm. Confirm that he is at the sort of level of of these these younger drivers like your your George Russells etc. Um, in in Formula One. Mm-hmm. I agree. I think with Max Gunther, he is still incredibly young. I think he's the same age as me. So, I mean, the world is his oyster. Essentially, <laughs> he can do anything that he wants, and that's the beautiful thing with Gunther. So, I think it's impossible to say no on that one at the moment. Well, thanks, Chris. I feel really old knowing knowing that you're only 22 years old or something like that. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think um, it's not been that long ago that he was in Formula Two, and uh, I think he may be what the youngest guy on the the Formula E grid at the moment. Um, mm-hmm. I'll a third of the yes. I, I do think that this the change in seat. I think you know that potentially if he excels. At that, I, I think that would certainly promote his opportunities uh, to make the switch up or in, into Formula One. Yeah, we've already talked about Stoffel van Dorn uh, and, yeah, potentially 
Um, we're going to move to Felipe Massa. Obviously, had a good career in Formula One uh, with with the red cars and um, well Williams as well. Um, but is is it sort of uh, is it too far for him to to go back if Williams said? Oh mate, dear, do, do you mind helping us out again? I think he would say no. <laughs> I, I think, think he would, I would too. say no. <laughs> yeah, I um I I want to ask you on this one. So if you're Claire Williams right now and you've got any you know, let's say money isn't a factor, which we know it is over there, but let's say it's not, and you need a veteran driver uh, you know, to s- sit there with George and, and mentor him. Do you call Felipe or do you call Alonzo? Oh, Alonzo's not really going to say yes, let's be honest. Well, well, let's just assume both are eager to get back into Formula 1 and would take ever. Based purely on on talent alone and needing a vet, do you take, uh, which one would you take? Uh, Gary Puffett. <laughs> actually, actually, that's, I mean, that's not he a, hasn't yeah. <laughs> driven in Formula 1, but I mean, why not? That's not, yeah, that's actually not a bad idea. I hadn't thought about that. Um. (laughs) But that's sort of skipping the question. I would probably go with Felipe, baby. Yeah, me too. Nice. Okay. Cool. Uh, Eduardo Mortara? No. Uh, Yeah, I'm going to go with a no on that one as well. There's talent there, but I don't think it it would things would align out well. Mm-hmm. Would miss him in GTs. He's too good a GT driver to race in Formula One. Sadly, you know where we would be. We'd be lost. So he's not allowed. He's not allowed. Okay. He's too good. <laughs> <laughs> um. Right. Alexander Sims. Oh no. I love I love Alexander, but it's sort of not quite. Not quite. Yeah. Not quite. Sadly. I think he's in the right place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I agree with that. Formula 3 in 2016, I don't even think that was a full season. I don't remember what exactly the situation was there. But I think you know, he's 31. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's enough on my end. Okay, uh, there's going to be some very quick yeses coming up right now. Um, but first, uh, Pascal Verlein. No. I think Gene Haas is an idiot for not putting him in the car. I think that's a great idea. Chris disagrees. <laughs> Uh, I I would I mean Chris Roman Grosjean or Pascal Verlein in the car which one oh god um, Gary Puffett <laughs> oh. <laughs> I don't know Chris, Chris you took way too long to think about that one <laughs> uh, it's, I, it's like it's such a hard call Grosjean what wow Grosjean? I did not expect that wow okay yeah um well, if if you if you listen to the Outlap F1 podcast, um, you don't even need my answer. Uh, so, <laughs> or mine either. Uh, no secret yeah. <laughs> uh, as as having the American team, and uh, I'm ready for a driver change. Um, I would take Pascal in a heartbeat in that car. I think uh, you know he sh- he shows the things in his short stint in Formula One. Uh, I think he got messed over by that what, race of champions injury. I think that was kind of the start mm-hmm. of, of the the undoing of, of the Formula One piece of his career so far. But 24 years old, uh, almost 
Didn't he almost have that win in Mexico when the Chicane ran out of juice? But you know, I just I think he's got talent there, and uh, I would love to have him back in Formula One. Yeah, good memory. He's he's so feisty. I mean, that's what you need, especially with Haas. You know, they're a team that unfortunately sort of trailing at the back can't understand the car. But if you had someone feisty in there like Magnussen, um, I think it could be only good. Yeah, I, I agree. I think they need someone that can get their elbows out. Um, I, I feel like Grosjean is a little too quick to to give up and want to retire the car and can't seem to get, you know, he's, he's always complaining about brakes and things of that nature. It just seems like he can't get out of his own head. And I think having a young kid in there that wants to prove something uh, and wants to prove that, you know, he, he should have kept a seat in Formula One in the first stint, I think would have been a, a great addition to the to the grid and but as I've told you guys before on the Outlap podcast, um, Gene Haas knows how to disappoint me, and he he did not uh, he he repeated that again this time. So no surprise there, I guess on my part. Mm, okay, uh, Jerome D'Ambrosio. No, sadly, I like Jerome. He's a nice guy. Yeah, he seems like a nice guy. Yeah, he's he's great. I had a nice conversation with him about the weather once. You know, small talk. Oh. Yeah. Hmm. But yeah, no. <laughs> Sadly. Good guy. Okay. Very talented. But a bit old, I think. Yeah, I think age would be the only I I feel like talent he could he could. I mean, he had that stint with what Virgin and Lotus, I think. You know, not the two teams that you necessarily wanna be in to prove your talent. Uh especially during those times. Um I think talent-wise, he could be, but yeah, 33 years old, probably not going to happen at this state, but um, yeah. Now, I think Williams has missed a trick here, because Oliver Rowland, I'm going with a big yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very easily. Yeah, unanimous on that one. Uh, that was quick. Uh, okay, Sam Bird. Love me some Sam Bird. Um, and I think, yeah, he's he's got the goods. Uh, a, a, Relatively safe pair of hands, but yeah, I think he would be he would be one of the names I would yeah put my hand up straight away for. I wouldn't. Yeah, I'm, oh, I'm with, oh, disagree. I'm with Chris on this one. I'm with Chris on this one. Thirty two. Been a long time since GP two days. I'm with you on that one, Chris. I'm gonna go no. Yeah, he's a quick driver. He's a bit old though, mm. and he has. I don't think he's won a championship at all, has he? Nothing comes to mind right off the top of my head. Mm. I don't think so. <laughs> Controversial. Sorry, Dina. We've got to disagree with you on that one. <laughs> got to have a few of those, right? Absolutely. That's what makes, uh, that's what makes the listeners uh, you know, hungry for more. Absolutely. More disagreement. Uh, Andre Lotterer. Yes. Cool. Yeah? The age okay? I mean, he's a bit old, but... Uh, I'm going to go... Yeah, he's old. I'm going to go guess. Otter is one of my favorite drivers in the entire world across any series. I don't know what about... I I spent a whole lot of time watching him in his Audi days uh, in in a World Endurance Championship. And I I know he had top equipment there, but... And I just... I loved just his driving style and, uh, you know, just his poise in the car. That maybe not always transition into the Formula E uh, grid, but uh, 
and he is old, so I don't think it's going to happen. At 37, it's probably never going to happen. But talent-wise, man, I, I love that guy. I love what he brings to the table. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, it was Toby Bloom who said uh, that he would win the championship without winning a race. <laughs> and uh, that's the sort of consistency we saw from him. But, uh, well, when he wasn't taken out, we'll put it that way. Yeah. That's the thing with Lodra. He's so quick, and he's won virtually everything on four wheels. And I would have—I mean, I would have loved to see him in Formula One. The way he drives, he's so aggressive, and his defensive maneuvers are flaming brilliant. <laughs> so I would just love to see him in a Grand Prix car. And he's another one of those you got to put it as would you put him back into Formula One because he technically did have one start with mm-hmm. Caterham in 2014. So yeah, I yeah I. Again, it won't happen because of age, but I agree. Uh, his consistency, I think that's what it was. Just you watch the lap times, you know, you watch the 24 hours of Le Mans and just lap time after lap time, hour after hour after hour, he just, it's just bam, right on the spot. And uh, he just, he, it doesn't matter the track. It's like he's just, the, the consistency there is incredible. Um, and to do it with fatigue and everything else and changing environments, uh, I think he, you know, if the stars align, I think he could have had a, an incredible career uh, in Formula One. We could be talking about, a, you know, a, a world champion at this time. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's always about right place, right time, I think, with so many of these guys. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. Uh, Daniel Apt? No. Mm, I can't, can't see it, really. Yeah. Yeah, I, me neither. It's been a while. 2013, I think, was well, he was in GP3. It's only 26, but still, I, I would say with no on that one. Uh, Antonio Felix da Costa. I'm, I'm pretty sure we all like Antonio here, but uh, I think it might be a bit too far. Uh, I blame Daniel uh, Kvyat because he almost had that drive in 2014, didn't he? That's right, he did, yeah. Yeah. That yeah. is true. In 2014, it, it doesn't seem like that long ago, but I guess in the world of racing, that might as well be an eternity it, when you're talking about experience wise so he's young still you know he's not even 30 but yeah i agree now see i was adamant uh if you like stalk me through twitter i believe i said that uh, antonio felix da costa would get a toro rosso seat amidst the uh red bull driver program crisis of the past couple of years um purely because he's just Ex-Red Bull, um, very talented guy, but I can't see it at the moment. And it seems, too, like Red Bull, I, I feel like sometimes they may hold a grudge a little bit when it comes to guys that were in their program. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I, he would definitely be a natural person for them to call. And I, I do agree there is, they do have a little bit of a situation on their hands, especially with the unknowns of Gasly and, you know, they not selecting Kvyat to come up. Uh, you got to think he's, a little disgruntled at the moment, uh, given the season that he's having and kind of that resurgence. So that's a good point, Chris. Okay. Uh, one of my personal favorites, uh, not because he's a Kiwi, just because he's awesome. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. Mitch Evans, Mitch Evans. And, uh, that's a, a massive yes from me. I think Mitch, uh, unbelievably quick, uh, race winner. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, basically the talisman of Jaguar. Yep. Yeah. I, I would, uh, I think, you know, someone like a Williams, um, I mean, someone like Haas, I think they would be doing very well to get Mitch Evans in their car. Mm-hmm. 
I absolutely love Mitch Evans. I think he's incredibly talented, incredibly fast. And he's the only GP3 champion who hasn't tested a Formula One car. He's never driven a Formula One car, Mitch Evans. What? Yeah, genuinely. Yeah. I think it was October last year. I had an interview with Mitch Evans and he told me that and I couldn't believe it because he's so quick and he's so talented and he deserves a chance. And it's never happened. Wow, that is shocking. That's that's pretty sad. It's really sad, isn't it? It's mad. Oh, well, Gene, there you go. (laughs) Gene won't do it, though, because it's Gene. So that that would be too logical. These guys that we've mentioned so far, Pascal and and obviously Mitch, both would be too logical of decisions for for the American team, unfortunately. And as an American, I feel like I can say that. (laughs) (laughs) I can give them hate. (laughs) Um, Robin Freins, the Dutchman. No, I'm gonna go with no on this as well. Um, it's been a age wise, not bad. He's only 28, but and I think he did. Didn't he have a, um, I think a test stint as well with some. I don't remember the team. Yeah, I think Sauber, I think. Okay, yeah. That's... Was it Virgin? I think it, it was. It'd be funny if it was Virgin. Okay. Maybe then. So I mean, I, I think. There was the possibility there, but I he's another one that um yeah, I, I think just things didn't didn't work out and not right place at the right time and just kinda got overlooked. Um I think it would be he may be more of a long shot to get that call, I think, at this point. Yeah, okay. Uh Lucas Degressi. Um That's this hard. Is tough for me. Oh. He had a what a very short stint in Formula One in twenty ten with Virgin. 35, though, so again, age is, is going to be a, a, a real kicker for him. I kind of lean towards no on this one, but I don't really know why exactly. Just gut feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the thing. Uh, it's, yeah. It's a gray area, isn't it? It's hard to call because Degrassi's a very talented driver. He's very happy where he is. And I think if he'd stayed in Formula One, he could have potentially done very well for himself. But now, no, sadly. I don't want to say that, but I've said it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sebastian Buemi, and that's a yes from me. I think he should have had a lot longer in Toro Rosso. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree as well. I think he's still got, he's still running technically as a reserve driver. Mm-hmm. For, for the Red Bull team, so yeah. I I think he's got to be a natural phone call away. Mm. Could we could we see it? I mean, if if Gasly goes, could he make a return? I would love to see that. I think the only thing that would hold him back is the age at thirty. You know, Red Bull seems to be going incredibly young with all of their drivers. I don't remember how old Fiat is, but I think he's would be. What the oldest of the group right now? Uh, I think Blimey would definitely be older than him. It's going off the top of my head. So, talent wise, yes. And I think they obviously are keeping him kind of close for a reason. But I, I feel like it would it would require some other factors to be involved for it to happen. I think just because of this push, I, I think for Red Bull, it's like for them, it's got to be. Do you see this guy potentially being a teammate to Verstappen? And I don't know which way we lean on that, but 
if it's if it's a no for whatever reason, age or whatever the fact may be, then I think it's not worth that phone call um, because that I think that's why they're going young is to hopefully in their minds have you know a one a, a number one driver and a, a one point five maybe somewhere slightly behind Verstappen that can lead them you know lead the team back to the championship ways and uh, I think age is an issue there with with Sebastian. Okay, uh, what about uh, the other ex-Red Bull driver and current Formula E champion, Jean-Éric Verne? 110% should be in a Formula 1 car in my eyes. I'm still sad that he didn't get the Red Bull call-up for 2015. Yeah, me too. I think Jean-Éric Verne could have been a Formula 1 champion very easily. I, I Oh, I've got nothing but praise for Jean Eric Van. I think he's fantastic. Yeah, John. Yeah, I I've got to go with a yes on that one. Uh, extremely talented, and then the I I agree. I think he, I think a lot of people thought that he was going to get that phone call in in 2015 when everything shook out with the with the driver lineup. Um, I don't know if there were other political factors involved that we weren't privy to at the time or whatever happened there, but. Even if it wasn't with Red Bull, I think a team, again, you know, Haas or Williams or someone like that, you know, if it was Vern or uh, Robbie Kay, Robert Kubica, I would take Vern. So mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> I think that there's there's a couple teams out there that maybe need to look internally and, and uh, bring down the walls of stubbornness that they put up for some of these drivers that, uh, you know, it's unusual for a driver to come back, and I don't know why that is. It probably should change. Yeah, that's that's a good point. It is hard for drivers to come back. Well, uh, John, is there anything else you want to add uh, before we before we close? No, again, it was just uh, I really appreciate you guys having me on. I've becoming more and more invested in Formula E in the last couple of years, starting to thankfully get a lot more TV um, notoriety here in the states and. Um, I like, I love the, the, you know, the Gen 2 car. Um, I think that was really a game changer in the series and, and brings a lot of excitement. And, you know, I am lo- really looking forward to kind of where the series is going to be going and the growth and uh, some new tracks and new venues. And, um, you know, I, I, I'm looking forward to the day where, you know, for this topic of episode where we have the day that, you know, formerly E is grabbing Formula One drivers and and vice versa, and that the both the series are you know at that world prominent stage um, that they you know kids are growing up and instead of going oh I want to be an IndyCar driver it's it's said I, I want to be a Formula E driver um, or something like that um, I don't think that's that far away uh, you know they're only what heading into six seasons now but I think you've got a young generation of kids that like technology and I think that that is a big driver of, of Formula E and social media and technology is two things that they definitely have on their side so I think it's only a matter of time before that change happens and before uh, you start getting uh, you know kids interested in in that type of racing so really excited to see it grow and uh, looking forward to this upcoming season brilliant no it's um yeah it's an exciting exciting format um and we hope that it'll just yeah keep pulling people in 
Uh, also, we can't let you go without the social media. Uh, where can we find you? Where can we follow all, all of the rants about Rogro? Where can we do that? <laughs> uh, yeah, the best place is uh, Twitter. Uh, we're, we're starting to dabble into Instagram a little bit, primarily just as a preparation at, for our trip to the Circuit of the Americas next month. Probably have a lot of pictures and videos on there, but primarily we um, are on Twitter, uh, Outlap F1 Podcast on Twitter. Um, we're on there pretty much daily. We also have a, a website um, that we really are proud of. That's uh, OutlapF1.com. So got a lot of news on there. Uh, we're continuing to build out all of our episodes around there, and you can find us pretty much anywhere you can find a podcast. You can find the Outlap F1. Um, Obviously, with Dino, we've had you on as uh, before, and and Chris. Uh, I think we need to work something out to, to get you, you on the show or get both of you guys on the show. So, uh, looking forward to hopefully something like that in the future. Um, but we're a young podcast, but we're having a, a really great time getting rolling, and uh, it's it's nice to to find a, a co-host in Chicago that knows Formula One is probably a rarity. Uh, so, really excited for what the future holds for the podcast. Mm-hmm. It'd be great to go on. I think it'd be good fun. So, or or that out for sure. No, that's. Uh, I'm looking forward to hearing that episode. Um, and Chris, uh, what are you scribbling at the moment? You doing any any journalism, or what are you up to? Uh, so no, uh, yeah. Um, so obviously, I'm in standby now because you know, <laughs> yeah, preseason test and hasn't started yet. And if there isn't a press release, I'm very bored. But. Uh, yeah, I'm still working for Motorsport Week and Motorsport Monday at the moment. Uh, those of you who follow my writing closely, you don't know many people, if many people do, uh, be nice to know. <laughs> but you will see that I'm writing less. And I've just, just started a full-time job doing words uh, for a couple of companies. So, yeah, that's me at the moment. Uh, can't wait to get podcasting again. Can't wait for preseason testing. Um, yeah, be good, be good. Yeah, um, I'm very much looking forward to getting into getting into the new season. Uh, I mean, we've got a few things to to keep you occupied, like Moto E, which has just had another race. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, yeah, we will. We're still still looking at bringing you the iPace E Trophy, uh, yes, the final course. weekend. Yes, yes. Yep. So uh, that one that one will be coming soon as well. Uh, and we have some news with the announcement of attack mode for the IPC trophy. So yes, that will be a cool episode, um, and we'll try and get that out soon. But uh, thank you very much, John. It's been an absolute pleasure. We've we've thoroughly enjoyed having you on. Thanks, guys. It's been a pleasure um, speaking with both of you guys, and uh, look forward to hopefully doing it again in the future. Chris, thank you very much as always for coming on. It's uh, always a pleasure, and looking forward to the IPC trophy episode with you soon. Mm-hmm. It's always great to be on. We'll talk to you later, everyone. See ya. Bye. Take care, guys. Bye. <laughs> I can't. I can't believe about that Tinder comment as well. Oh man, <laughs> I just thought it'd be funny. You did throw me off with that one. I was like, wait a minute, does Tinder mean something else over there that I'm not aware of? <laughs>